Balancing Death Kirk is a weekly KeyForge podcast focused on competitive play. The podcast is hosted by Kita Mode and Kodamarin. The show is here for listeners to gain a better understanding of how to evaluate decks, how to evaluate their own board position, and how to anticipate opponents' decisions. Without further ado, here's this week's episode. Welcome to another episode of Bouncing Death Cork. My name is Kira Mode, and today I'm here with Nobody. The reason I am here with Nobody is that Kodamron is morally opposed to this episode's existence, as a lot of people will be. The topic of today's episode is about using the secondary market in Keyforge to buy decks. The complaints against uh, using the secondary market, I think, are fair. Uh, one of the complaints is that it goes against the sort of spirit of the game. This is a game that ultimately is randomized. A lot of people, self-included, believe that the best version of this game is the game when this is in sealed. Right? You pay $10, each one of you, you crack open a pack, and you s- just play what you have. Right? That's the best version of this game. And even as far as the Archon format goes, you're theoretically supposed to just, you have a pile of decks at your house, and whichever one speaks to you the most, and you that's the one that you would play at tournaments. That's the spirit of the game. And so when you go and purchase a deck online, you're effectively circumventing that because you are deciding which specific cards you want in your deck. And while you might not be able to pick an exact 36 card perfect combination, you might be able to find a deck that has all of the things you actually care about. Maybe the deck that you want only needs 10 specific cards and then the other 26 cards can be pretty much anything. So you can find that deck pretty easily. And a lot of people feel like when you start doing that behavior, you're going against the spirit of the game. Uh, The second complaint people have is that it creates a sort of pay-to-win structure. A lot of people fear that if you allow people to buy and sell decks online, decks that perform really well or decks that are incredibly rare and have a lot of power level, they're going to be sold for a lot of money. And so, for example, let's say in tournaments you need to have the library access, Nefty Seed, Infinite Combo to win. Those decks cost hundreds of dollars. So if we make it so people are allowed to do that, you now create a situation where in order to play in competitive play, you have to pay hundreds of dollars. And there's a feeling that if you are either selling or buying in the market, either way of participating, you are enabling this behavior and you're going to create a more toxic environment for competitive play. And then the final complaint of this, and this is Kodamron's complaint, is that Keyforge isn't really a game where you should be talking about money. Because the moment you start talking about the secondary market, this is where you start looking at decks and say, hey, this deck's pretty good. I wonder how much I can get for it online. Or, hey, that deck's pretty good that you have there. How much do I have to pay you in order to get it? Right? And then you start looking at cards less of, oh, this is a cool deck, that's, or this is not a cool deck. And you start looking at cards more of just value. And if you're going to just start looking at cards as dollar signs, why aren't you just playing Magic? Why aren't you just playing Yu-Gi-Oh? Why aren't you just playing Pokemon? Like, this is not supposed to be this that game. This game, you're supposed to just, you know, pay 10 bucks and you get a deck. And that's something where I think Code Emerald has a really good point. And in our podcast, we're not going to talk too much about finances in this game. That's not what this podcast is going to be about. But... Talking about the secondary market is something that we need to do. So I'm going to give my best defense of the secondary market for this game. And my best defense is that the secondary market is really the only way you can get specific cards that you want. Um, Finding specific rares can be kind of tough. Finding rares that are in conjunction with each other, um, those are kind of tough. And even just finding 
um, different combination of houses can be tough. So an example of this is I have a friend who he bought a lot of packs and he was looking for one very specific house combination. Um, he wanted shadows, dis, logos. He wants that specific combination. But there's 35 house combinations. So to give you an idea of how hard it is to find just one specific house combination out of 35 because you're able to get duplicates is if you were to open 24 packs, you would be a coin flip proposition to get it. Now, keep in mind, I didn't say if you open 24 packs, you are guaranteed to get the deck that you want. I said if you open 24 packs, you're a coin flip to get what you want. In other words, you open 24 packs, you're still going to miss half the time that you do that. And that really sucks. Like if you want to buy a certain deck, if, that, if that's three house combination is the combination of houses that you want, you shouldn't have to buy 30 or 40 or 50 packs in order to be able to get this one house combination. That's a lot of money that you're spending for a lot of decks that you don't care about. On the other hand, if I go on eBay right now and I just go and type in Keyforge, Dis, Shadows, Logos, I'm immediately going to pop up with about 70 results for decks. Some will be good. Some won't be good. Some will be cheap. Some will be expensive. But I'm going to have options. And so instead of spending all of this money to get all these packs to get um, a chance at the three houses that I want, I can do a quick search and guaranteed get the house that I want for like 20 bucks. And that's, to me, the biggest benefit of this. It's also the easiest way to find specific rares or to have, if you have different ideas, if you're a creative player such as myself, this is how you can come up with decks. So I'm going to give in this episode my three rules for buying decks online. They really help me. They make it so this is efficient. So I'm not spending a lot of time, not spending a lot of money, and I'm still enjoying the game as I play it. So my first rule is you have to be as specific as you can possibly be and not waver off of it. So an example of this is my most recent search is I want to build a deck that can control the board and control Amber without the use of shadows. Because my problem with shadows from a metagame standpoint is they're really bad at holding a board. Like you can never build like a really big shadows board. And then the only real board control card that they have that's useful on the board is shadow self. So my thought is if I can remove the shadows crutch, I can have something going. But the reason people play shadows is you need to have amber control. So my thought is, okay, well, what amber control do I want? And my thinking is I want to have Lash of Broken Dreams from Dis. I want to have Doorstep to Heaven from Sanctum. And then from there, I either want to have Burn the Stockpile from Brobnar or Shatterstorm from Mars. Now, Shatterstorm from Mars is kind of hard to find with the other ones. So I dumped that and I said, okay, I want a deck that has Burn the Stockpile, Doorstep to Heaven, and um, Lash of Broken Dreams. So th those are supposed to be my three cards that I actually care about. And what I do is I go on eBay and I just type in Keyforge, Dis, Sanctum, Brobnar. You get a bunch of results. And then I right-click and open a new tab for every single listing that's on eBay. And what I don't do is I don't read every single Archon card. If you have 50 tabs open and you're reading through every single Archon card, that process is going to take you hours to complete and you're going to get fatigued. You're not going to want to do anything else. You're going to spend like 30, 40 minutes and you're just going to be like, you know what? The deck ain't here. Why am I wasting all my time doing this? And you're going to go do something else. Um, what I do is I will go to the first tab and I'll look right at the Sanctum lineup. And if I don't see Doorstep to Heaven, I immediately close out the tab. And you keep doing that until you find one that has Doorstep. And then when you find one that has Doorstep, you say, okay, well, does it have Lash? 
And if it doesn't have Lash, you close the tab and you keep doing that. And you basically keep doing this process until you find one that has doorstep and Lash and burn the stockpile. And when you do that, you can take this tab of 50 and you pretty quickly reduce it down to about three. And once you've reduced the number of tabs that you have, that's when you actually start looking at the, uh, the Archon cards. And if you've heard our last episode where we talk about how to read an Archon card, this is where things become more important. That's where you start looking, okay, what's the creature count? What's the amber generation? What are the big plays? What are the board wipes? What are the assorted removal? You start looking at all these little things. And then from there, you try to evaluate how good you think the deck is versus what the price is because i might look at a deck and say hey you know this deck looks pretty good and then someone's trying to sell it for 200 maybe it's not so good anymore whereas if i look at that same deck and someone's selling it for 20 now i might be more inclined uh, to purchase it and this goes into my second point which is that what i'm talking about here is i have a sort of gut reaction right there's a very specific thing that i'm looking for and then after I find what I'm looking for, I evaluate the deck and get a gut feeling. And my second point here is do not listen to the sellers for any reason. And what I mean by don't listen to the sellers is almost every single listing of Keyforge is going to have some sort of meaningless stat about why the deck is great. They're either going to say this has a great amber generation or this has great ADHD rating. It has great creatures. It has a whole bunch of rares. It has horsemen. It has time travel. Like They're, they're going to put something in the headline that's going to say, hey, look at how great this deck is. You should buy it. And the reason I would say not to listen to them is that you don't want to go away from your gut reaction. Like deep down, when you look at a deck, you kind of know what you're willing to pay for it. And you don't want to be swayed by what the other person is telling you. Because when you go buy a deck, if someone's posting it online, the reason that they're posting it is that they believe that the deck is worth more to you than it is to themselves. The best case scenario is that the deck is just really weird and hard to play. And the person that has a deck doesn't realize what they have and that's why they're selling it or maybe they're just like a big store and they just sell kind of everything they have that's your best case scenario they don't know what they have you see what they have and you're trying to buy it the worst case scenario is that they have a deck it looks great but the person that has a deck understands that it's not good either because they've played it or they're really good at reading archon cards and understand that the deck is seriously flawed and that's why they're selling it and you don't want to get duped and ultimately if somebody's putting in the headline of the deck how awesome the deck is, they are in the second camp. They are pretty sure that the deck is not as good as it looks. That's why they're giving you all this extra info. That's why they're telling you how many rares they are. They're telling you how good the ADHD rating is. They're telling you how good the Amber generation is because they want you to buy it. They understand that the deck is not good and they want to dupe you. And so when you're evaluating your decks, the first thing you got to do is, you know, rule number one, you got to be specific in what you want. And then you evaluate the deck but don't let whatever they put in the title sway you one way or the other from whether or not you're going to get the deck. And then my third rule is just be cheap. And on this one, I would just say it's not about pinching pennies for this. It's about disappointment. So if you go online and you pay $200 for a deck and then you get the deck and you play it and it's just not very good, that's going to feel terrible because ultimately you're going to look and say, I would have rather just bought 20 packs, right? And if just buying 20 packs would be more fun than thinking you have a great deck and then finding out it's not great, you should just buy 20 packs. On the other hand, if you buy a deck for $20 to $30, 
even if you come back and find out the deck's not good, you're not going to feel completely butthurt about it because you didn't have a whole lot of investment in it. And so an example I would give of this is I was searching for a deck um, fairly early on, and I was looking for a racing deck. And I basically wanted the racing deck to do a number of things, and I found one that did everything I wanted. It had three copies of Dust Pixies. It had a whole bunch of other Amber Generation. It had Key Charge. It had Miasma. And on top of that, it had some board wipes. So in the Shadows matchup, I have the Kill All Elusive board wipes, so I can kill off you know, really annoying shadows board. And then it also has the Spirit's Way in Sanctum, which allows you to just kill everything that's big. So if my opponent gets a really big board, I can deal with them. And it had Sanctum in the deck, so it could still build a little bit of a board. So I'm not like completely hopeless. If the game does run a little bit longer, I can conceivably get four characters on the board in Mass Reap. So this was what I wanted. All the, th all the pieces kind of came together for this deck. And then I started playing the deck, and I discovered what its fatal flaw was. And the fatal flaw of this deck is it just has no spot removal. It has big board wipes, and it has all the amber generation, and it has ways to control keys. But it doesn't have a way to deal with pesky units. So I'd have all these games where people would just play a succubus, and I don't have any way to deal with it. Or they'd play a hunting witch, and I don't have any way to deal with it. And I'm thinking... I just need to have like a little kill spell in my hand that just gets rid of this guy, and I don't have it. And I started losing games because it doesn't have this one flaw. And there were games where I did well, right? If somebody was playing a really heavy deck, I could pretty much just wait to play the Spirit's Way at the perfect time and crush someone. And if someone were playing a racing deck, I can usually outrace them. But it was in that kind of in-between range where people have a little bit more combo setup, where people just have like really vulnerable, squishy characters that have really good passive effects. And they're just hoping I can't kill it, and then I can't kill it, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I just lose now. So this deck kind of morphed from a deck that I really thought had potential to be an awesome tournament deck to just a deck that's pretty solid, and it's kind of my change of pace deck now. But I only paid $20 for it. And that's the important thing. So finding out that the deck wasn't all that bad didn't crush my soul. I didn't spend hundreds of dollars on a deck that I later found out was bad. I spent 20 bucks, and my thought is, okay, well, would I rather have this deck or would I rather have two packs from the store? I'd probably rather just have this one deck. And so I was comfortable with the purchase, even though it subdued my expectations a little bit. So to recap, rule number one, be specific in what you want. Rule number two, do not listen to the seller's description to influence whether or not you're going to purchase a deck. And rule number three, buy cheap. If you follow these rules here, I think you'll be much better at finding the things you want. You'll be much faster at it. And you're not going to be disappointed. Everything that you buy, you'll probably be pretty happy about buying it. And you'll have a more enjoyable experience in the game overall because you can still play all the sealed events and, you know, have the random side. But then you can also select your precious baby of a deck and be able to play that at tournaments or other events. And this has been another episode of Bouncing Death Quark. Um, we are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. That is primarily where we post. Let us know what you think, and we'll see you next time.